0: Hi, welcome to this episode. I'm your host, Skylar. I'm here with Ruby and Bachelor. We will be discussing the Libyan slave trade and how globalization has affected it. So let's dive right in.
1: the history of the Libyan slave trade. So, in 2011, uh, the Arab Spring, uh, which was a series of, res- of, of revolts against uh, government leaders in the Middle East, uh, took place, and uh, the government has been unstable, uh, and it's been opposed by gangs and tribes across the region, uh, you know, posing a threat to their uh, stability and safety amongst the citizens.
2: Um, additionally, refugees and immigrants have been trying to get from Africa to um, Europe, and most of them cross cross the Mediterranean Sea, but to get there, most people have to go through Libya, and when they have to go through Libya, they encounter such a things that Bachelor mentioned.
1: Mm, and um, uh, to the refugees fleeing the country, uh, smugglers also pose a great um, threat uh, because uh, basically, uh, often uh, oftentimes, uh, people don't know where they're going. They just know that they need to leave the country, so they exactly. turn to uh, criminals who, um, you know, are not aren't trustworthy and are just dangerous people
2: and because like a lot of times they get smuggled illegally across the mediterranean sea so they when they get taken back to libya by the coast guard etc cetera, etc cetera, they get end up placed in refugee camps these refugee camps are very tightly packed and not a lot of resources and stuff and it leads to fights and also if people can't pay off their debt certain debts that they have then they end up getting sold into uh sl- slave labor and
1: unfortunately this is only um this is a better outcome than many face uh, because some uh, sometimes these people are just uh, sold directly into slavery uh, from from their smuggler who, they, who they've turned to uh, to get them out of Libya. So um, oftentimes people just find themselves being sold into slavery uh, almost instantaneously.
0: That's really sad. Um, what do you think, like, what are these slaves predominantly used for?
1: Well, uh, due to uh, Libya's uh, dry and hot climate. Uh, it, it's, you know, northern Africa, um, so right in the the middle of the Sahara Desert. Um, so oftentimes you find uh, just... Um, wait. So oftentimes uh, there's uh, cheap uh, manual labor needed, um, and then that's what most of the slaves are used for. Ruby,
0: how do you think this connects to other th- events that have happened around the world?
2: Well, this can be connected to the Congo when it comes to the, s- the slave trade that went on in the Congo, which is a uh, country in Africa, and it, it's talked in the King Leopold's ghost. So King Leopold was, um, was he Dutch? Sorry, and, when,
1: and when did this slave trade uh, take um, place?
2: This was during... a the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Oh,
1: we're doing the rubber craze, right? Yes, right, okay. the rubber,
2: r- rubber craze, um, because bicycles just been invent- bicycles with um, t- rubber tires just been invented. So the rubber craze was huge. Everyone wanted rubber trees, and those okay. were very plentiful in the Congo. So um, when when the Europeans when they discovered this was available, they want they wanted to take advantage of it. So they started basically, technically. They were paying the, these workers to harvest this Congo, but only bare, barely, most of it was incredibly unfair and under in terrible conditions, and this was simply to make money. It was ruining and killing people just to make money, and this can be connected to what's going on now in Libya.
1: And uh, in addition, in the Congo, what happened was um, uh, a general feeling of f- fear uh, also kept the, uh, kind of the slaves in line and kept them uh,
0: Working. Yeah,
1: it kept them working, kept them uh, where Making they were supposed the to be. Um, uh, although there were uh, pl- there was a police force uh, there stationed at the time from King Leopold. Uh, just the psychological um, superiority uh, greatly affected how the slaves um, and how the people who were being oppressed uh, acted.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's. I really see how that connects with the whole forced labor and how extreme the labor was and. This also reminds me of in Stalin's Russia when they were trying to catch up with the rest of the world, um, and that's really similar to in Libya. Yeah,
2: kind of throwing morals out the window to get quote-unquote the greater good.
0: Right, yeah, right. and this really also, um, you can like relate it to the saying like the end justifies the means with how, yeah. as long as you get where you're going and it ends well, it doesn't really matter how you got there, which is not necessarily true.
1: But in this case, um, you know, uh, wealth and power is being attained for these certain peop- uh certain people, like in Libya's case of uh, the smugglers, or um, during the rubber ca- uh, craze, King Leopold's case, um, but at, at the cost of human lives.
0: Yeah. Right. It's just like human nature. You gotta be the best. You gotta always try in. Right. Yeah. So, how does this relate to globalization? So
2: globalization is basically when, um, this is what happens as technologies become more advanced and the inc- interconnectedness of societies becomes stronger and it basically, as people say, it might kind of le- um even the playing field, as some people might say. but like in the article such as a flat world after all, but it doesn't always end up being this case. Would one of you like to elaborate on
0: that? Um, yeah, so the article that she referenced is called It's a Flat World After All, and it's written by Thomas L. Friedman. And it talks about how technology's being so advanced that the world is like a flat playing field, like everyone has equal chances of coming out on top. Top country, almost. Um,
1: and and if, if you if you look at this over a more broad uh, kind of spectrum of time, if you um if you took like a, a B average student in Boston in the mid 1900s. Uh, over like a genius who lives somewhere in India, uh, the beast, the you know the average student in Boston would have the upper hand just because of America's advancement uh, in government and uh, economics and uh, technology. But now because of this uh, rapid globalization, uh, those chances are becoming more abundant and uh, more evenly distributed.
0: Yeah that's a yeah I really can yes, I agree. Um, one quote. And this article is, um, when the world is flat, you can innovate without having to immigrate. And I think that can relate because these people are, like, trying to, like, advance, but they're not, like, having their morals immigrated into how they're trying to advance. Yeah. Um, so... How do you, how do you all think that globalization has affected the Libyan slave trade?
1: Well, obviously because of the uh, advancement of technology and um, the capabilities of it, and how it's being mass produced. And even though uh, that these chances are becoming more abund- abundant, um, there are still some countries that have not yet grasped on um, whether it be due to you know uh, governmental instability or uh, just the region itself. Um, like in uh, Libya, it's in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Um, resources are scarce and just advancement is a lot harder uh, to achieve than it would be in America. Uh, that, and that's, this is, and, you know, this kind of global trend is leaving uh, Libya in the dust uh, to, and playing, uh, trying to play catch up with, uh, you know, to compete with the other countries.
0: Yeah, and going back to what you were saying about the whole government instability, like, Libya currently is going through a civil war, so they're very unstable, and the government hasn't really been focusing on the human rights aspect of the labor, and so because they're falling behind economically, like, they don't... They're not focusing on how they catch up, um, just that they do, so that also goes along with the whole... and justifies the means. So how do you think that the... um, economics has affected the government's views on human rights um, throughout their labor they've enforced?
2: I mean, I think this can kind of go with basically everything we've talked about so far with um, the Great Leap Forward, with the five-year plan, with um, the rubber craze, with basically most of society, I feel, um, puts economics sometimes over-humanitarian issues because and, um, the end
1: justifies the means. Right, and also uh, because, and, gl- and globalization has uh, definitely uh, affected this. More countries have an economic shift now, um, you know, because advancement in uh, mathematics and science is now becoming more of a priority uh, than, say, providing, you know, universal health care or housing for uh, people who really need it, or clean water. I mean, there's still places in the United States um, who don't have clean water.
0: So do you think there are some good solutions out there that can help with the human rights aspect of it?
1: Uh, Well, because Libya is already failing, um, you know, government intervention, you know, Libyan government intervention is not uh, likely, um, and that's why.
2: Especially because the Libyan government has been denying the claims. Uh, exactly,
1: be... yeah, and, and they've they've been denying 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 it um, themselves, <laughs> uh, which just makes the uh, situation uh, all the more terrible and uh, puts lots of people in danger. Um, so that's why uh, the the United Nations um, is very much uh, looked favorably upon. Uh, for, you know, attaining help with this kind of thing, because with uh, multiple countries uh, contributing, um, it's more likely, uh, there's a more likely chance to uh, help, you know, make the uh, crisis uh, a little more under control.
2: Yeah, it's, it's important for the UN, to, it's important to get the UN to step into something like this. Yeah,
0: and that reminds me of a video that the New York Times released, And it was talking about how in the U.N., the um, representative from Libya, and, like, along with the whole Libyan government, they're all denying that the slave trade is happening. So it's really hard to help them if their government is just denying that it's happening and say, oh, these are, like, some accusations people are saying. Like, it's allegedly happening. But there are...
1: And the, uh, if I may add, the... um The president, who's been in control uh, since relatively 2011, um, they have launched an investigation into the allegations, but this is only very recently, and um, there could have been much more done about this. uh, But that's why it helps to identify the problem and then uh, work on solutions to solve it. And in
2: the meantime, as they're working on that, there are other ways that people have been working to try and fix this incredible, incredibly bad problem is um, is such an organization called love 146 which is where they raise they do a lot of things one of the things that they do um is that they raise money and use that money to buy slaves in libya to and then help Um, uh, normally bring them to america or another country and help reintegrate them into society and make them have and help help them to have a better life
1: and, and basically uh, what's happening is they're, they're bought out of slavery and offered bare essentials that um, yeah. every human deserves.
2: Yeah. And then...
1: And um, in, in addition to this, uh, Love 146 also offers, you know, with their uh, f- funds, they offer uh, educational programs to help identify these problems before they begin and how to help those who yeah. they may suspect uh, be in danger of yeah. trafficking or... Uh, bondage through slavery everything yeah, like that and look,
2: they go to um, vulnerable communities in the area mm-hmm. and help educate them.
1: And originally they started um, to, uh, and to help end uh, child trafficking in yes. um, Southeast Asia uh, but, and that was um, in 2002 when they, when they were uh, founded um, but since then they've spread uh, out they spread throughout the globe and helping people um, in all different types of circumstances uh, you know, help you know, help them attain a better life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's a nonprofit organization, I yes. believe. Yes. Yes. So they're a really great organization that can help, and the way that people who aren't involved in organizations just every day, people can help is donating to these organizations, and what the these nonprofits, um, some very similar to Love One Forty Six, do to get government attention on the problems and actually show this is a real thing that's happening, it's not just an accusation, is they'll be supporting the citizens of different countries like Libya um, in protesting so to get the government's attention. Yeah. Just like in the Arab Spring when... Um, oh, his name slipped from my mind, but the man he lit himself on fire in front of uh, their government capital building, I believe... Just to get their attention on uh, the problem
1: arising. And uh, th- this happened in Tunisia in 2011, I believe, and this is what sparked the Arab Spring.
0: Yes, yeah. I believe so. So these protests can really get government's attention. So it's really helpful when people can donate to these nonprofits so they can help the people of these struggling countries like Libya really protest and get the government's attention so that they have a shot at helping the slave trade stop, because without the government's help, it's really hard to stop this slave trade because it's gotten so large with, like, so many people being killed. Also, some of these organizations will organize these anti-slavery committees, which serve as a protective neighborhood watch against human traffickers, and they literally will go into schools and... in neighborhoods in these countries and watch out for human traffickers, which is like, uh, especially for children, to help the children stay safe as they walk home and stuff in these unstable countries. And they help to educate these communities so they know their human rights, one, so they know if they're being violated in case they wanna get into some action like protesting. Mm -hmm. And they organize them on how these human traffickers work, come into their lives, yeah. how they get like the people into the, not necessarily program, but into the system of the yeah. trafficking. And so it's really good to support and donate the money so that these organizations are really helpful to educate the people.
1: And uh, th- going off of that, this just proves how valuable education is with a problem like this. Yeah. Uh, because when you know um, w- when something isn't right, um, and when you know like your rights are being violated, uh, it's very important. Uh, you know that that can go a long way and really help you recover and help others recover yeah. as well. Because
2: there's been there's been so many stories of people where their are in this, but they like they don't know something's wrong. Like they know like oh this this sucks. But like they just think it's Normal and it shouldn't
1: be like that like in some of like the infamous atrocities that have, that have happened around uh, you know the globe uh, and in history, uh, if you take stalin's uh, reign over Russia, people living in horrible conditions, people starving, you know, lack of food, uh, lack of basic necessities um, and basically the, uh, the kind of brainwashing that Stalin had uh, placed upon his citizens. Um, this kind of led them to uh, kind of accept and go with what was happening to them. And oftentimes, uh, especially with the younger generations, when this was happening, um, this was all they had grown up knowing, uh, kind of uh, cementing uh, this way of life in their uh, society.
0: Right. And... um Relating this to Stalin's Russia just reminded me of a book by George Orwell, Animal Farm, which is based off of Stalin's reign on Russia. And in that book, just like a brief synopsis of it, it's basically these animals who can talk to each other and stuff. It's it's fictional in that sense, but it's, it's reflecting Stalin's Russia. And it's a great book. I highly recommend. But um, so basically these animals revolt against the farmer and they take over the farm. But then the pigs end up becoming the leaders and they end up manipulating the animals being like because they think the humans are bad and the animals are good. So they think the pigs are on their side when actually they're acting as Stalin as a dictator and slowly stripping away
2: the rights of the other animals.
0: And they end up with having less food than they got when they had the farmer and these horrible rights, animal rights, and they were working countless hours daily without break, just on end, and being manipulated completely,
1: which is very similar to the thought reform
0: in Stalin's Russia.
1: And uh, to go off this, um, the, the general overall lesson that, was, that you can kind of take from reading this is that uh, oftentimes when... Um, you know, there's a rebellion, or there's uh, turnover in positions of power, uh, with hope for like uh, better, better lives for, you know, universally better lives. Uh, people will uh, sometimes become what they've once uh, vowed to destroy, um, and that just kind of shows human nature. Um, and, and, and this is what this is why it's important uh, to, you know, be educated uh, on what's right and what's wrong.
0: Right. This is why. It's- really good to help those local and non-local organizations to help protect the vulnerable communities and educate them
2: on this. So that we can help make Libya a better place mm-hmm.
1: and
0: maybe from the world. So that will conclude this episode. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll look into some organizations like Love 146 to help the this growing issue um, I'd like to thank my panelists, Ruby and Bachelor, for being here and answering these questions. So, yeah, that wraps us up. Thank you all for listening.